If you take my hypothesis that real power don't exist anymore, that no one on this earth has real power, that Mark Zuckerberg is just a guy that has a lot of leverage, but no power. Like he just need that his user complain and cry and, and be mad and organize a group and he will apologize. Look, he's a leader that apologized 300 times in the last 10 years. Talk about power. Which king apologizes? No kings apologize. You don't need to apologize when you are a king. When you are master of the universe, like Zuckerberg, you need to apologize a lot. You need to say we are not perfect. Uh, you need to say that you break things. You need to try to stay humble. You need to do pictures that make you look like a human, even if you are uh, a multi-time billionaire. You need to live in a house that is not that fancy. Uh, you need to try to, to have a dog that is ugly. Uh, <laughs> you, you need to build all these things to tell people that you are not that different. Because we have this very powerful idea in mind, is that we are all equal. The family? Yeah, you know these cool podcasts, videos, and events about startups and tech. But is it what the family does? Events and content? Nope. It's not our main job. Our main job is to help European entrepreneurs to become the best version of themselves. To help them building giant companies by taking 100 companies per year at pre-seed and giving them all the help they need to tackle their internal issues and grow, grow, grow every single day. The family is Algolia, it's Payfit, it's Hitch, Comet and Agricool, it's a portfolio valuation of $4 billion and a fundraising success rate of 75%. But the family is also a family for entrepreneurs, willing to learn from each other and spend good time with each other. Back to the podcast. In this episode, Usama Amar, the co-founder of the family, talks about leverage and power. Looks like a dusty topic, right? Has nothing to do with startups, right? Let's prove you wrong. Leverage is now accessible. It's not a matter of having lands, workers, or money. Modern entrepreneurs can leverage the multitude, aka the mass of connected individuals, just like you and me, who interact with digital products on a daily basis. The path to power has never been that distributed. Anyone can try to level up to play the power game. It all comes down to work, content, and finding the best resources in terms of capital and people. Anyone can become an entrepreneur. This is what we strongly believe in at The Family. And this is the story of why. Just a little background about this talk. Uh, I, I, I got scammed because I, I told my team I'm bored. I'm at a level where I, I'm speaking on stage. I'm like, I'm, oh, this is fucking boring. Why am I saying that? And so I was like, can we change a little bit subject, you know, fundraising, startup, blah, blah, blah. You know, five years is a lot, you know, it's, it's like in a couple, you need to change your fantasy, you know. Mm. <laughs> and so, so they, I, I said to Matthias, uh, come up with a title, I will not look at it, and the day before I will discover it. And they said, I was like, fuck, never do that again. <laughs> what I'm going to say for an hour, so let's see if it works. <laughs> so historically, uh, and a bit of history, power uh, was in the end of a very few people. That's characteristic number one of power. And power was permission-based. Meaning that if you want power at certain point, you need the authorization of someone. And that someone 
get his power through two big symbols, uh, uh, army or religion. Uh, for example, that's why most of the gods, so sorry, most of the kings, uh, try to get their legitimacy from gods. Uh, Louis XIV, Louis XIV was a, a king that says from divine right. Uh, uh, every pharaoh, our god themselves, every Roman empire, Jules Caesar tried to say that he's a son of, grand-grand-grand-grand-grandson uh, of Aphrodite. So they all have this fantasy of saying that power comes from someone, and because this authorization is transcendental, they have the right to give power or take power back. And that comes from something very easy, is that they add the leverage, they add the force, they add the monopoly on the force. Like if you are Julius Caesar and you own the biggest private army in the history of humankind, when you talk and ask for something, there is a very high chance that we give it to you. And also, there is a very high chance we don't mess with you. Uh, it's a time where getting killed was more obvious and more often than now. Uh, it's something we kind of forget about how we deal with power, is that most of the power structure are just a metaphors and a very shady version of the previous version of power. So if you meet a royalty now, and the royalty, let's say you meet the queen, we are in England, God save the queen, um, if, we, if you meet the queen, you have a, a, a huge number of rules to respect. Uh, you don't need, you cannot touch her, uh, obviously. <laughs> uh, you, you need to speak only after her, uh, only answer questions, blah, blah, blah. You have like this huge protocol when you meet her. And basically anyone meeting the queen uh, is kind of impressed by this protocol and follow it. And they follow it out of respect. But the funny thing is that respecting this protocol in 2018 come down to tradition, not power anymore. Because not respecting the protocol a few centuries ago was something that can get you killed. <laughs> that was serious. Uh, you can be like, you come and be like, yeah, my shoes are two colors. And be like, head is head off. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, I will put shoes like everyone. No, no, no problem. Uh, now, uh, if you go to the queen and don't respect protocol, You've all been seen as a very rude person, but they cannot even put you in jail for that. And there is no fine that are constitutional agreeable about that. So there is no fine that say, if you don't follow the protocol, you have to pay 1,000 euro or something like that. So basically, all these people, they don't have power anymore, but they continue to act like their power is real. And that's the power of tradition. But funny thing is that the internet created something very strange, is permissionless leverage. Let's talk about that, what it means. It means that now, if you want to talk about something, if you want to build something, you don't need to ask the permission of anyone. So some people try to be gatekeepers, some people try to be seen as experts, some people try to be seen as the people you need to be with if you want to do something. But the very nature of the internet is that internet is open to anyone and by the way, is open to everyone. So when we talk about fake news, when we talk about the power uh, of, uh, of um, uh, disinformation, when we talk about government trying to reap election, we are basically talking about a new kind of power. We are talking about the fact that now state power is kind of very linked to individual powers. Limit to that is Western countries. Of course, there are certain countries where power is still real. There are certain countries where you can 
still get killed for your opinion. There is certain countries that don't like Turkish journalists, for example. Um, there are various countries where power is still something real, but it's something that is disappearing. And, and there is a book, I don't know if anyone in this room read that book. Who read that book? Okay, so that's all the psychopaths in the room, okay? So, <laughs> sorry for the joke. <laughs> it was a joke, it was a joke. So this book, for the every people that did not know about it, it's a book that pretend to give you the 48 basic law of power to be a master of the universe. So if you follow these 48 books, you become super, super powerful. So I read that book at 12 years old and get, uh, <laughs> and get very disappointed. So why, why it's very disappointing? It's very disappointing because this book has been written with only historical example. And it's very interesting case because every historical example in this book have a hidden hypothesis is that the people at that time had real power. But if you take my hypothesis that real power don't exist anymore, that no one on this earth has real power, that Mark Zuckerberg is just a guy that has a lot of leverage, but no power. Like he just needs that his user complain and cry and, and be mad and organize a group and he will apologize. Look, he's a leader that apologized 300 times in the last 10 years. Talk about power. Which king apologized? No kings apologize. You don't need to apologize when you are a king. When you are master of the universe, like Zuckerberg, you need to apologize a lot. You need to say we are not perfect. Uh, you need to say that you break things. You need to try to stay humble. You need to do pictures that make you look like a human, even if you are uh, a multi-time billionaire. You need to live in a house that is not that fancy. Uh, you need to try to, to have a dog that is ugly. Uh, <laughs> you need to build all these things to tell people that you are not that different because we have this very powerful idea in mind is that we are all equal. And that storytelling that started seven centuries ago with Saint-Louis deciding to judge people not based on who they are, but on what they did. Saint-Louis is the first king that judged someone not based on who he is, but on what he did. So if you are a nobleman that did something wrong, you get the power of justice against you. And that was amazing that someone from the common can get a noble to speak for his acts and go in front of court. That was totally new. And that day started something called democracy. Democracy is not a voting system. There is a lot and lot of voting system that are democracy, but the country are not a democracy. A good example is Brazil. Brazil is still not a democracy in the mind of people. If you, if you, I, I have this story that I love. A few years ago, I was waiting in the line in the movie theater in France. And there were this guy that was yelling on the old man. And so I look at that and he was saying to the old man, you need to go in line like everyone. And the old man was like, don't you know who I am? And the guy was like, I know who you are. You are prime minister of France and I don't give a fuck. In line, in line like everyone. And I saw this guy, his name is Lionel Jospin, that was prime minister of France, go in line like that. And, and in my mind, I was like, this is so fucked up. The guy is working for the country. He cannot deserve a real salary. 
uh, it's like having no power at all. And even crossing the line in movie theaters, it's impossible. Two years later, I was in Brazil. I was waiting in line uh, at the movie theater. Uh, a Bentley arrived with a guy. Someone opened the door. And everybody in line did that. Just because someone arrived in a Bentley. That is paradigm. That is how inside the culture, inside the population, you are democratic or not. In Brazil, how much you own changes the perception of who you are. In France, how much you own changes the perception of who you are. You are a bastard. So, <laughs> so that's a very democratic feeling that we should all be equal. And if we should all be equal, why some of us needs power? So come back to Robert Greene. Robert Greene wrote a book for psychopaths. So if you take, I didn't take the 48 laws of power, but they are so funny. Like if you just apply them all after each other's, you will end up in jail. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> and badly in jail. And I think it did not get how much the world had changed and how much internet had an impact. So let's take a few rules of powers. Rule number one, never outshine your master. Never outshine the master. So that rule is very interesting because it's a rule that a lot of you apply in your daily life without noticing it. Uh, everybody kind of is, like, is impressed by power in a certain way. I can tell you a story that I love. Uh, we organized a dinner at the family with Xavier Niel. And uh, everybody was so excited because Xavier Niel, for the people who don't know him here, is a French billionaire, one of the most rich person in France, one of the few tag billionaire, very impressive. But Xavier has one problem. He's not very charismatic, and he knows it. But still, you invite your entrepreneurs at dinner, everybody's so excited. And there was this table at the end of the dinner of 20 people literally drinking the words of Xavier Niel. And my nephew at that time was living with me. He was 15 years old, and he arrived home late, at 11 p.m. I don't know why, by the way. I should have asked. And, <laughs> and he sit at the table and look at the people, look at Xavier Niel, and started to listen. And then Xavier Niel left, everybody left. And my nephew was alone with me. And he looked at me and said, it was so strange. Who's that guy talking? I said, why, why, why are you asking that? It was so bad. Like, I never saw someone with so so low charisma, it's, it's, it's so sad. And I was like, this is Xavier Niel. What? <laughs> and, and, and for him, it was totally unimaginable that someone that powerful was that low in charisma. Same thing for the entrepreneurs. They did not seem really, because if you think that you are this kind of people that are totally neutral and impossible to get tricked by that, you are very wrong. There is at least one person in the world that impresses you. Everyone has at least one person in the world where is a total fan. Like if Alice meet Beyonce, she will be a 12 years old girl crying. And she can be a badass CEO of the family during the day. But at night, she's just another fan of Beyonce. Okay? And everyone has this kind of thing. Like I'm sure that if I meet Obama, I will cry. Like <laughs> I know for sure. And, and so, this rule, never outshine the master, is a rule that has been built before the internet. If you look at the new master, 
They wait only for one thing, to be outshined. If, if you look at who have been successful in the last 10 years, there are people that did something new better than the old generation, and the smart old generation invested in them. The new generation of powerful people invented a law called investment that helped leverage the work of much better people than you and get return on it. And of course, what you expect from people is that they outshine you. So if you think that in 2018 you can grow in power by just sucking up around, you are very wrong about why it doesn't work. And why? Because there is something new. Before, you can make someone successful out of a monopoly. Let's take an example. You own a movie theater, or you own a studio of production, or you own a TV channel. You decide who go on 9 p.m. on Saturday on your movie theater or your TV channel. Okay, you have this power. So you can take someone really, really bad, and because he's sleeping with you, putting him at that hour and imposing him to everyone. And then two things happen. First generation of decreasing power was zapping. People started to zap because there were so many channels that if someone imposed you someone that was not that good, you zap. And then YouTube arrived. Good luck to create view on YouTube because you are famous. And if you want to watch an interview that is totally amazing about that, I, I invite you to watch the interview of ASAP Rocky and Snoop Dogg talking about leverage. Because Snoop Dogg, in this interview, tells ASAP Rocky that he tried so many times to make his friend as successful as him, invite them at concert, give them first party, did EP with them, did everything he can, and nobody buy their shit. Quoting. And why? Because we are in a generation that decides if we like someone or not without any background. We don't care that much for recommendation. And of course, recommendation can make someone totally a no, no. So if Kim Kardashian will recommend someone, that person can become famous. I'm not saying that these people have no recommendation power. I'm just saying that the recommendation power become a totally active process. And that's why there is not so much room for suckers. So if we rewrite this book, rule number one will be always try to outshine your master. Rule number two, never put too much trust in friends. Learn to use enemies. I love sentences like that. <laughs> so first, who has real enemies in 2018? Seriously, we live in such civilized world that enemies become something very artificial. Okay, you have maybe competitors. Did you ever saw what a real enemy is? Go in a place where war is real, where people kill each other. Like, uh, like the place where I grew up, for example. Like in Lebanon, we have a very clear definition of enemies. You know, people are that crazy. But if you go in civilized place, so outside Lebanon, uh, <coughs> people are not like that. People don't have real enemies. So these kind of sentences are based at a time when having an enemy is a real threat. If now you treat your competition like enemy, you will lose a lot of energy for nothing. We have a disposter at the family that I love, is that never, never, never look at your competition because benchmark is for losers. That's the real rules of our time.
So in our time, you need more friends and you need to forget about your enemies because your enemies are not real. The probability that a competition hurt you in 2018 with liquidity of market and the fact that you can access people at that scale is very low. Why before competition was real? Because distribution was not liquid. It was super, super hard to talk to a lot of customers at scale. So one of the best ways to get new customers was not by acquiring new customers, is by taking the customer of someone else. But in 2018, the cost of distribution are so low that spending time trying to get customers of someone that doesn't already have customer is a loser game. You will spend so much money for nothing. Just build your own market and, and build your own rules. And markets are so big our days. I will give you a very funny number. Let's play a game altogether. Today I learned a number that fucked my mind. So let's take company number 1000 in revenue in soap. So we take the 1000 biggest company that produce soap in the world, company number 1000. How much revenue they do a year? Someone, Jerome. 50 million. Fuck VCs. Yeah, 50 million. <laughs> the, you are so unfunny. <laughs> so yeah, they are doing 50 million. They are doing 50 million a year, between 50 million to 100 million. But that's the right range of revenue. Company 1000. Okay? So markets are becoming bigger and bigger. Like you have opportunity. By the way, it's a great thing. If you want to start a D2C soap company, please ping me. Like it's one of the most amazing opportunity. 90% uh, margin in average, <laughs> recurring use, even in France. Uh, <laughs> so you can even launch a company just for French people and, and in subscription and make a lot of money. So, so if the deal is just about making money, there is a lot of opportunities. You don't need to go after anyone. So even that rule is bullshit too. So law number five, so much depends on your reputation. Guard it with your life. Very, very funny. Uh, there is a guy, he's the president of United States. Uh, he forgets the principle of reputation a long time ago. And he's not that stupid. There is a narrative that says Trump is very stupid, but obviously he's not. He's very successful. He's the president of the United States. You are not president of the United States if you are stupid. And there is something very interesting with him, is that his reputation is totally indestructible. Like the guy can say things that anyone here will be sent to jail if they just think about it. Why that happened? Ask you your question. Stop to be kind of a victim of the narrative that Trump is impossible. Trump is the first entrepreneurial age president. And that should all scare us about the future, by the way. Because it does it show that entrepreneurial edge are not that easy. They are not this dreamland that everything will be better. There is things that are worse. Because reputation, again, is based on a hidden hypothesis that people did not realize. Why reputation was so important in old times? Because very few people can destroy all your opportunity. Let's say you are in France, end of 19th century, and you are an industrial player, and you have a venture of opening a factory of soap. Okay? And let's imagine that you are looking for capital, but you did something wrong. 
Yesterday at lunch, you use the fork for the salad to cut meat. Reputation destroy. Everybody in Paris knows about it. How can we invest in someone that use a fork for salad to eat meat? This is disgusting. Let's take him out of business. How many people can you talk at that time that are investors? 25? 50? Done. You are out of market. Now, there is more investor in the world than there is the investor in the history of humankind. And that's true for any profession, by the way. There is more mathematician alive now than in all history of humankind. There is more engineers alive than in all history of humankind. And so it means that power is distributed. Why Trump doesn't care? Because establishment can hate him, but establishment has no power anymore. There is millions of people voting for him, loving him. Each time he says something horrible that make all these liberals heart attack. All these people have like an, a live orgasm. And they are like, yeah, one more. Please, President Trump. And, and that's what all the liberals in the world cannot get, is that the reality of the filters, the reality of the power is dead the day this guy got elected. And that guy just represents the power of the crowd. Power in 2018 is about being anti-fragile. It's about having a brand that is so sincere that the people that hate you hate you so much. And the people that love you love you to a craziness that is almost like a cult. And that's a real fragmentation of a world. Do that multiplied by a number of crazy brands and you have this new structure of power. So reputation is everything, is wrong. Sincerity is everything, and a high level of personal risk in reputation is something that people love our days because we all want to hear the story of the next bad boy. Know who you are dealing with to not offend the wrong person. It's kind of same shit. Uh, you can often a lot of people nowadays. Doesn't really matter. You get the point. Again, people before had much more power. They can take you out of business. Now, no one can really take you out of business. By the way, that's what everybody knows in the VC industries. Like if you are a VC nowadays, your biggest worry in your life is to say something to an entrepreneur that will often him and then it will never come back again for a deal. Uh, be royal in your own fashion. Act like a king to be treated like one. So that's one is interesting because that's what everybody on Instagram thinks they should do. And then Kim Kardashian come. So most of the people in the world think that Kim Kardashian is vulgar. I'm not saying a big secret. Like a lot of very educated people will be like, oh, she's vulgar. And, and the funny thing is that uh, Kylie Jenner, she built a brand that is doing one billion in sales a year with six employees. Think about that. So let's go all back in time together five years ago, okay? And let's imagine we are at a dinner at my house and we have a, a very fancy discussion about the future of cosmetic market, okay? And I say this sentence. You know what? I think that a girl on Instagram with 100 million followers will be able to launch a brand that get to 1 billion revenue faster than L'Oreal can do. And she will not need that much power because she will transform L'Oreal in a supplier and she will 
keep all the margin because she has a relationship with customer and she will have none of the problem of logistic production of anything like that. And I think she can do one billion in sales year one. There is high chance you leave the table and be like, this is fucking insane. The idea that there is a universal culture that as an entrepreneur you can apply and please everyone is totally dead. Law number 41, avoid stepping into a great man's shoes. Little bit like you saw, it's like always the same thing. It's like, yeah, don't, don't go after the, the strong people, blah, blah. Let's take a company like Revolut. Like, what is the best chance for Revolut to be known as a company? It's just to go after big banks and say, big banks are bad, big banks sucks, big banks are ugly, big banks are uncool. And if you do that all the time, People will just start to use you, not because your product is ready, but just because they believe in the mission, killing banks. And that mission is much more important than any product, because this feeling of revolt is new. The fact that revolution become a commodity is a new rule of power. So if we write this, this rule again, it will be like, choose very wisely who is your enemy and point it out to everyone in your community. So all of this is about leverage. You have to understand how leverage works. I think that's one of the very few concepts that entrepreneurs really understand, is that as an entrepreneur, you should not value your work. Work is an important function to build leverage, but work should be something that decreases over time. It's not something that should increase. Leverage is about producing from something that works even if you sleep. That's the best definition of leverage is that you have the power to get more from your effort than what you invest into it. So see that as a metaphor of boxing and you, you, know, you punch a bag and if you have a lot of leverage, the bag comes back in your face with a lot of force. That's leverage. Leverage is about getting more from the reaction than what you put into it. First leverage is money. Money became a commodity 10 years ago, that doesn't mean that everyone in this room will get money. It just means that the people that will get money will get too much money. The reality of capital now in the world is that if no one wants to invest, no one wants to invest. If everyone wants to invest, everyone will want to invest much more than you need. And that's a new business strategy and a new business operative. There is a narrative from the old entrepreneurs that the new entrepreneurs don't know the value of capital and they spend too much and they don't know how hard it was 10 years ago. And by the way, it's true, but it's totally stupid. Why? Because it will be totally foolish to don't use money that is offered to you. Like if you think that you can build your own discipline and not use capital, there is always someone that uses capital against you. And we are in a world where every single startup is trying to produce something cheaper and better. Think about that. Think about the fact that startups may be successful in our society. They all try to produce something better and cheaper. What does it mean for society? It just means that we will need less and less money to produce things. And that's the problem with capital, is that you have more and more capital and less and less opportunity to spend it. Let's take a company like Uber. Uber raised 19 billion, I think, or 20 billion, I'm not sure. Something like that, okay? Maybe it's 15, maybe it's 21, but it seems like a very huge amount of money, right? 
Okay, how many countries Uber launched in the world? Okay, now take the leader in each of these countries and look how much they spend to become the leading taxi company and multiply it by 100. That will be much bigger than 20 billion. Let's take SpaceX. SpaceX Ray, I think, is the highest valued private company in the world. Look how much the NASA spent to send a man to the moon. Look how much NASA spent in all the European special program in, in Ariane. They spend much more money. Why? Because the cost of launching a startup decreased exponentially. The cost of running a startup decreased exponentially. The only cost that is increasing our time, it's talent. But that's very temporary. There is a lot of talent that will be replaced by machine in the next 15 years, for sure. Like, <laughs> like the fact that developers are the new diva and they make 300,000 a year in the valley, that's an accident in history, for sure. Because soon you will have software that will do the work of a developer. And so that means that this leverage has a leverage that is going down and you don't have that much return. Leverage number two is media. And media is very interesting. Because now you have two kinds of media. Authorized media and unauthorized media. Permission-driven media and permissionless media. If you want to have an article in the Financial Times, you need the authorization of the Financial Times. So you need connection, you need personal leverage, you need to find someone that will give you that. But if you are in a place where you can go on YouTube and do a video that has millions of views, you don't need the permission of anyone. By the way, if you have friends that work in TV or journalists, there is a game I like to do with them, is to talk about the view that these people on YouTube do. Because the only reaction all the time is that the view are fakes. Like, you know, there is some people on YouTube that do a billion views a month. And people are like, yeah, that's not really possible. It's fake views, they buy it in India. Yeah, maybe 20% of them, <laughs> but not all of them. There is a lot of people you know that watch them. And, and that's why, it's because there is now a huge set of media that are permissionless. And as an entrepreneur, I think people underestimate that. I'm always amazed how much entrepreneurs are obsessed about getting coverage in the press, when the coverage in the press in 2018 is only useful if you have very old-fashioned clients. But 90% of the startup have a liability of being co uh, covered in press. You know why? Because the coverage is so bad and the journalists understand so nothing that the article will be really bad about yourself. And so it becomes liabilities. For most startups, staying far from the press is a better strategy. And publishing content is kind of a winning strategy because anyone can publish winning content. People often ask me if they should learn to code. And I often answer no, because they ask the wrong question. If you ask me if you should learn to code to do a startup, the answer is no. But do you need to learn to code to build an amazing startup? Yes, that's the subtlety. Is that at the end of the day, the most amazing thing you can build in 2018 comes from the fact that you know how to code, you know how to build a product. Code is the absolute product of leverage without permission, absolutely scalable. Uh, in exponential time, mean people fail. Is that if you are nice in exponential time, it has a geometrical effect. So the difference between old time and new time is that in new time, people can know that you are nice 
And if you are sincerely nice, there is a lot of paid forward that come, again, come back to you. Because inside the community, if people give a lot, the exponential amount of what you get back is much more higher than what you give. If you want to be very business driven in 2018, the best thing you can do is being nice. Let's take an example. Let's say that being mean means that you scale 20% stronger on year one. What is the probability that you keep that on year two? What is the probability that there is no moment where you need to pay back and there is no moment that everybody knows that you have done some shit? Talk to investors doing bad things to entrepreneurs. Now, at The Family, for example, we have something called the Red Book. We tell all the stories about the investors to everyone. You know the bad investor in Paris, they think that the family has no deals. It's not that they are worried that they never receive deals. And, and, and that shows how our time works. So your best chance on the long term is to be nice. Let's be all hippies. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Hope it was insightful, inspiring. Hope you liked it. Hope Usama switched on a light in you. It's one of his core strengths, being able to show you a different way of looking at things. This is obviously not the last episode, not the only one. So please take the time to check the others. Also, whatever you think about the podcast, just try to tell us. It can be a good or bad review, a good or bad rate or comment. We don't care, we just want to understand what's your feeling about this thing. Obviously, other sources of content we have, our Medium articles, our YouTube channels, and our website, The Family, when you can learn about our thesis or manifesto and apply to The Family if you're an ambitious entrepreneur and want to join us. Have a nice day and see you next week.